Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. We are joined this morning with the knowledgeable Ivy Riggs. How are you, Ivy? I'm great, Carrie. Well, we, so, all right. Session's been over for like 15 minutes. Um, and there's already a bill for next year. What is happening? Well, what is happening? I'm trying to be in denial about it, <laughs> but we got the alert that a bill had been filed yesterday. The first bill for next session that doesn't begin until the first Monday of next February. Ready to roll. What's it about? I mean, it's not education, but I'm just. It wanted, is not. It is not. Know. Uh, Senator Dom would like for groups to be able to request for their flag to be flown at over the Capitol. All right. That, that went so well with the Ten Commandments and, right. and other organizations that he didn't um, like wanting to put statues up and such. I can only imagine the debate on the bill with worst case scenarios. So... Um, I mean, for entertainment value, I kind of hope it gets heard, but I really don't hope it gets heard. So. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so with session over, our legislative and political organizing center has wrapped up the year and you guys have put out your summary. So can you kind of tell us what that is? Right. So what we do is take uh, all of the education bills and summarize them you know, a, a really short summary. If you mm -hmm. want more details, you're welcome to contact us. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to go and read the bill, uh, that kind of thing. But they will be on the website, Carrie. OKEA.org slash 2021 session. Right. They are there now. They're they're ready to be looked at. But, uh, you know, there were several that were controversial and very confusing and conflicting and all the other feeling words. Um, so if you have questions, you know, rather than Facebook, Please reach out to one of us and 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 just ask, what does yeah. it actually do? What are the actual consequences? How does it change your job? Uh, we we were happy to help. It's uh, there's so much that's go that goes on during the session and so many bills to keep up with, and especially, you know, at the end when were things voted on, were they not? Did the governor sign them? Did he veto them? Like, there's just a lot that there's just so much to keep track of, and there are a ton of bills on that list. For sure, uh, yeah, uh, approximately eighty. Right, right around 80. I don't remember the exact number that we ended up with. Now, there were some bills that affect schools that we didn't include, like, you know, what does a bonding company have to do? That's not really our issue. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there will be some outliers that we didn't include. We tried to include ones that we thought our members uh, may have heard about, might care about, things like that. Perfect. Um, lawmakers right now, it's interim study season. Correct. The deadline to file for an interim study is the 25th of this month. Mm -hmm. So we have actually been in contact with a couple of lawmakers. We've had some members reach out with some issues that um, kind of may need some more conversation. So, so um, you know, I'm, uh, interim study season is always entertaining. I'm always very entertained by what people think yes. we need to have discussions about, yes. and I do love it. Um, but it's, but and it, who they have come to those Right. The is, um, is also interesting. The experts and mm -hmm. you can't see air quotes, but they're I, real. I mean them or eye rolls, but <laughs> right, right. they're implied. Um, so, you know, for education interim studies, 
What would really be cool is if lawmakers cared about hearing from educators. Yeah. So, you know, we always reach out to to legislators when they file these. Uh, Usually it's constituent request or Mm -hmm. an agency request or something like that. Uh, Sometimes it's just their bright ideas and, Mm -hmm. you know, those are... You know, if they're educators, that's awesome. When they're not, yeah. that's a that's a bit scary. Yeah. So uh, you know, we'll wait and see. Uh, these are conversational. No, no action is taken in interim studies. It's just ideas and yeah. in conversation. So the premise is wonderful. Well, we cannot wait till next Friday to hear what everybody's come up with. I'm sure they will be fascinating. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you, Ivy, for uh, the look at what's happening. It's summer. There shouldn't be anything happening. We should all be dismissed, but we appreciate your time. Absolutely. I mean, but people could be contacting their legislators and building those relationships. I mean, (sighs) wherever two or more are gathered. To be honest, this is the time to have actual, real, kind Non-controversial conversations. This is a time to invite them to coffee. Just go be people. They're, they're, they are spouses. They are parents. They are, you know, siblings. They are just people just like we are. And so what they need to see is the human side of us as well. So this is a time to, you know, as you're planning for next year, as you're, uh, I know the Republican caucus did a Zoom mm-hmm. with, a, with a legislator in Tulsa last week. That's an excellent time where we're not talking about a bill. We're not yeah. saying, hey, why did you vote one particular way? Yeah. It's just, can we talk? So this is actually the time. And I know it's everyone's summer after a crazy, crazy year. But um, before we get into the next crazy year, this is really uh, the time to do that. And, yeah. and it, it's tough to get up the, the energy to do that, but, but it really to. is the perfect time. Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are so excited to visit with Representative Monroe Nichols uh, today. How are you, Representative Nichols? I'm doing great. And actually, in preparation for today's show, I had fried okra for lunch. Yes. Excellent. Yes. You tell me how many guests have done that. I don't know. Not enough. Right. Well, Representative Nichols, for those who might not know, represents House District 72, which um, is just right next to Greenwood, right there to the west um, of your district. And um, but you are um, your district does cover where they're doing some of the excavating at the cemetery nearby. That's correct. Um, And congratulations on your recent election as vice chair of the Black Caucus. Thank you. so we uh, we wanted to ask you, um, growing up, what was your what was your experience as a student um, with learning about Greenwood? Did that was that something that came up in school for you? Yeah, which was really interesting. And well, again, thank you for inviting me on. Um, I actually grew up in Central Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And and what was really interesting about that is that not only did I have what was taught in schools, but, you know, we used to take like the uh, black history tours and, you know, go to Atlanta and go to Alabama and go to all these places Wow! and never, ever heard in all those travels about what happened here in, in Tulsa. Uh, so it blew me away. It wasn't until I was in college and I think kind of found out about um, black wall street um, mm-hmm. kind of completely separately. It had nothing to do with that. And that's how I learned about it at the time what was referred to as the Tulsa race riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it blew me away because there's a lot of folks who were from here 
who hadn't been taught about it and maybe yeah. like heard the term, but like, I don't think ever understood the full weight of what happened there and what was there before it was gone. Yeah. Um, and, and even when I started working in the mayor's office, my first job out of college, um, most of the folks who worked in the mayor's office, many of whom were, you know, um, had grandchildren even, uh, who actually weren't super aware of the Tulsa race massacre. So it was really interesting. Uh, most folks are coming to know about this story in its full totality, really in the last, you know, 24 months, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like 98 years before this was something that was kind of a regularly uh, talked about thing in, in our community. Um, growing up in Arkansas, I had never heard of it either until I was an adult. Right. In just the past few years, and I was like, what? I mean, it's right next door to Oklahoma, nothing. I grew up in Oklahoma City and uh, never heard of it until yeah. I so it's crazy because you know we learned about you know i learned about the the uh the four girls the, the church bombing like we heard about these types right. of things that happened but right. here's a, a race mask on a, just a grand scale right um that that none of us were ever taught about so why is that important for students to know about tulsa specifically i think i think that you know it's almost like uh that's almost a tough question and answer because it just is so important, right? It, right? it is so much about who we are as a people. It doesn't mean that that white people are evil or anything like that, sure. uh, but it's important for us all to understand how we got to where we are, right? right. Uh, when I say how we got to where we are, definitely the positive. So there's definitely the story that needs to be told about the resilience of, uh, of the black community in Tulsa pre-1921 and post-1921, to be totally honest. There's a story uh, also, I believe, to be told uh, about how we should all come to understand these particular events in history. uh, So, A, they don't repeat themselves. uh, But B, so as we're having even public policy conversations that we're having right now about achievement gaps in school, right? Or wealth gaps uh, that we see in our communities that we all understand there's a reason why we got to the place that we're in. And, And then oftentimes very intentional steps that were taken to get us where we are. And so the same intentionality uh-huh. that maybe he didn't put us in the position that we'd like to be in, it's going to take that same level of dedication, intentionality, get us where we'd like to go. And so I think the story is one that, that we should all know, that we should all know about. Right. And I think the full story of even, you know, the trail of tears, which I know a lot of people are aware that there was Indian removal, but I don't know if people really fully understand the brutality of that. Right. Uh-huh. And, and, uh-huh. and why it is, uh, that even natives have, you know, outcomes that aren't as good as other folks. Like it's not because uh, these these indigenous and, and these people of color are, you know, just at birth less healthy and less intelligent and less right. capable. Um, right. We have to learn about these stories so we understand who we are, and and it really, you know, almost gives us the burden of trying to continue on uh, and doing it in a way that that makes sense for everybody. You know, and it's something that is when we talk about um, this this history, it's not that long ago. I mean, 100 years is, you know, maybe we all live to be 100, but there are still survivors. This is something that people who live in Oklahoma, that their their grandparents experienced, their parents experienced. This isn't this isn't ancient history. This is very recent history. Yeah, I think that's all. It's been so many, so many points in history. Right. I was. I've, I've told a number of people here recently, my grandfather passed away in November. And um, when I was looking back at his life, he was born in South Texas in 1939. And so mm-hmm. he was born 
uh, a little less than 80 years after slaves in South Texas were alert, they were free on Juneteenth. So like in his, in what would have been his lifetime, you know, just, you know, his grandfather had he lived that old would have saw both those things. Right. And my parents uh, were born in the early sixties before the civil rights Uh act was passed for the voting rights act was passed for housing uh, uh, for the housing fairness bills were passed. And so this is not like black and white ancient history. These are things that we, we are, you know, one, maybe two generations removed from, which I think, again, it's why it's so important to tell the story. I think one of the challenges in Tulsa, to be totally honest, uh, somebody asked me a number of years ago why I thought the race massacre wasn't talked about more often. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, well, you got to think about this. If there are survivors of the race massacre, then there are folks who have a very direct connection to folks who perpetrated and were on the other side of it. That's a very hard thing to talk about. I mean, we can talk about some of those old ancient things because there's nobody here anymore, but it's harder to have a conversation about folks who are living or maybe one generation removed from it. But no less important, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it, I actually think it raises the importance of talking about it. Cause you know, we talk about making sure history can't repeat itself. And if it, you know, if we talk about it in the context of, Oh, this happened so long ago, Oh, there's no way that we'd ever have that happen again. But if people can really talk about, look, I'm one generation removed from this. Um, you know, it's no, no different than what Germany did. I mean, German nationalism was not a thing after the Holocaust. Like uh-huh. German people really came to terms with what they had allowed to happen. Uh, we could learn a lot from their response to it as a nation, frankly. Um, you know, they don't have a bunch of Nazi statues hanging around anywhere. Um, right. They don't, you know, they haven't hidden history on, you know, how they treated um, Jews in that country. And, and I think we could benefit from, you know, humbling ourselves as a country, do the very same thing. And then you mentioned policy that comes after afterwards, like building a, an interstate through the middle of Blackwall Street and Greenwood to make that division, you know, even further. And so, um, so you're right, we have to look at the policies and um, things that our governments put in place to try and further divide and ask why are we doing these things? Right, absolutely. So to, to kind of take that further, you, you know, what happens now? Um, the, the consciousness of the nation turned to Tulsa um, a week ago. And now the cameras are gone. Everyone has gone back to, you know, other other things in their lives. But this continues on for your district, yeah. um, in a very real way, and and the districts surrounding you. Um, what happens now? Like, what what are? I, I know the ex, the exhumation is continuing. Um, yeah. There are still there are still very real effects of what happened that that live on in your, in your area of town. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, what I would say is that's true for Tulsa. It's true for other communities as well. Mm-hmm. One of the best conversations that I had um, over the last weekend, there's a number of really high profile people that were here. It was, it was, it was a very neat experience just to be you know, around those folks. One of them was uh, Dr. William Barber, who runs the poor people's campaign. And uh, he's a, he's a North Carolinian. Uh, and he talked about, um, uh, oh goodness, what's the name of the town? Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. 
there's a race massacre before Tulsa there actually. And, uh, you know, he, he described what that was like and how that came It's the same kind of thing. It was a, you know, thriving black community. He said it would have been Atlanta if, you know, this race massacre ever happened, but, you know, back the black publication, you know, all, a lot of black wealth there in Wilmington, North Carolina was completely taken away. And so I, I mentioned Wilmington only to mention that if it took this long to tell a story about the Tulsa race massacre, um, we would be lying to ourselves if we tried to make ourselves believe that Tulsa was unique in that case. There's a lot of untold stories about these events. And so this really is a national problem that I think, I, I hope that Tulsa can prove as an example of how you come to terms with it, right? Uh-huh. How do you not only appropriate tell us, appropriately tell a story, but what do you do for those who have survived and those descendants who had things taken away from them uh, that that is a, a a good explainer of why black wealth in this country is ten percent that of white wealth, right? It's again, it goes back to it's not that people are born less capable; it's like right. things were done intentionally in this country, and so I think we're going to have to really, only in Tulsa, unite. Anyway, we had some very public divisions that I know folks probably read a little bit about uh, over the last weekend. So there's so part of it is that that community unity, which takes time. Um, and then the second part is how do, how do you respond? Like the, the issue yeah. of reparations has been something that's talked about mm-hmm. a lot. I've said a number of times uh, that doesn't make it right, but hopefully it'll make it just. Sure. Um, and then and then moving on from there, I think if we were to look at um, all of our policies across the state, all of our policies at local communities, even federal policy, and we if we if we drew back some of the origins of some of those things, we'd probably find. Um, that things need to change based on that, right? But we see in data right now, you all are educators. Um, I, I'm one who believes that that all roads lead back to education, even in telling these kind of stories, but also, you know, frankly, addressing the inequity that we see um, uh, every day in our communities. I, I've always said there's only one place where every social problem facing facing us as a as a state and as a nation ends up every day in that school. That's the only place where every last one of them end up every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so schools are ground zero, right, uh, for how we begin to right wrongs of the past. And that's the reason why some of the, you know, we talked a lot about 1770, House Bill 1775. I was just going to ask about that. Yeah. Right. That's why that's so important, right? Like if we can't tell the story, if we can't fully explore those things in a in an educational academic setting, where else are we going to do that? Where right. people do that at work? People don't necessarily do that at, at church. People don't. You don't. You don't do that. And so, if we wonder how a Charlottesville can happen, like how these things can happen, uh-huh. it comes uh, from I, I deeply believe us uh, pulling back on on what we are allowing educators to do every day. You know, and I'm glad you brought up 1775 because it, you know, that uh, that push across the country is happening, but it seems like in Oklahoma, the timing of it is especially um, uh, targeted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was trying to self-censor here. <laughs> um, it, it feels very pointed uh, with how, how is a lawmaker um, when you're looking, when, I mean, we've been talking about what do policies look like across the board? How as a lawmaker, do you, do you face that down? Uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, you know, 1775 from uh, the first time it was introduced in its first form, which was a completely different House bill at the time. Um, just the idea itself, uh, you know, I thought was just just a disgusting idea. Right. And and, and part of it was uh, the fact that we 
we're coming up on the centennial, but if we weren't for the centennial, it still would have been a terrible right. public policy idea. Um, the other thing that I that I think is important, it's not necessarily my story to tell and talk about, but this talked also a lot about um, uh, the LBGT community as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we have a, um, a member who has made history in the Oklahoma right. House, uh, right. from non-binary um, Muslim member elected to a state uh, legislature. And uh, this is how we welcome that history that we made. So we have, you know, history there and we are looking at the eyes of history hundred years after the massacre. And in that year where we had those two things working, right. um, We decided to do something like 1775. I thought it was, you know, one of the great failures of, of leadership. Uh, And it was one of those times where, you know, you start to, you almost, you almost want to question, you know, I've, I've generally had this uh, attitude that there's a lot, there's 82 members of the house that, that disagree with me on a lot of things. Um, But I assume, try to assume positive intent as much as I can. Yeah. And this is one of those things where you just can't assume positive intent, Um, Right. you know, whether it's the targeting of a member and pushing back there, or if it's saying, Hey, you know, all the, all the positive things that we could be talking about, even though we, in the context of a massacre, we can't talk about those things uh, because you all want to, you know, want to push forward a piece of legislation that's not solving one problem in Oklahoma um, or or anywhere else in the country. So what, um, you know, you had mentioned it, all, all, everything that's happening in our world um, gets centralized at school our teachers, our support professionals, everything that's happening in the world shows up every day in class um, with our students. So in our world. Yes. And um, what, what message would you have for educators who are, well, now hopefully they're taking a well-earned rest over the summer, but you know, these are, these are big, hard conversations that their students want to have and need to have. And um, 1775 uh, made our a lot of educators feel very demoralized and frustrated. What's yeah. your message to those folks as they go back to the classroom in the fall, and they're gonna, you know, this is gonna come up in their classrooms? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, I, first of all, thank you to everybody who is um, playing any role in educating children across the country, uh, and and definitely across the state. If it weren't for educators. There's so much progress. There's so many highlights of my legislative career that can be drawn back to educators standing up for kids here and here in this state. And so um, I have a deep appreciation. I um, I took my son and five friends to Dallas for his birthday a couple weekends ago. And that was about a, you know, a 36 hour, 48 hour trip that, uh, you know, I thought about jumping off a bridge a couple of different times. How, how old? How old are they? They're all 13 and 14 years oh old. Oh, my word. Yeah. God bless you. That so, is bold. That is a well, bold. You know, it's, it's what teachers do every day. And I'm, you I know, know. And I, I know the job was hard. And when I did that, I was like, my goodness, like, <laughs> I, you know, I just wanted to just take them all somewhere, just drop them off, like at their house and a construction site, whatever. And they're, doing, they're all great kids. Right. It's just, right. Uh, it's, just, it's, just it's, it's crazy having to, you know, be paranoid that nothing bad's going to happen, but also <laughs> take care of, but also don't do that. Don't touch that. You know, there's, there's, there's so much that I'm just like, Oh, Oh my God. Like I can't imagine getting past all that and then trying to teach somebody math. Right. Like I don't, <laughs> right. I don't even know what that's, what that's like. Um, so, so deep appreciation for, 
teachers. You know, I guess I would start my advice with this. Um, uh, every effort that's ever been made to hold people down um, has started with making sure they don't get educated. Um, and so, you know, I think that educators are the protective of every freedom that, that we have. So, you know, there's part of me that says, well, you know, I'm not going to encourage people uh, to break the law. Um, but right. I, think, I think it's great to have conversations with young people about why those kind of laws exist, where they draw their origins from. Uh, and I think that educators and young people can be a very powerful force in pushing back on this kind of stuff in the future. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that kids, you know, every generation, I'm like, oh, my God, kids will make this uh, this this state better. Um, but they won't make it better unless we empower them and equip them to do so. And that starts with educators. So I hope the educators, you know, you know, look, don't 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 break the law and get yourself into trouble. But whatever that water's edge is, <laughs> wherever that water's edge is, I encourage you to, you know, put your toes there. Maybe even yeah. let, even maybe let the waves kind of hit you, you know, maybe up to the ankle a time or two. Uh, but, but that's what I would encourage. I, I just think that uh, the role that educators play is one that is, um, I mean, it is so far beyond what they get paid. <laughs> That's just like, I can't yeah. imagine. Um, but, but that would be my advice to, to, to push the, to, to push the envelope a little bit, because it's not just the kids that depend on it. Literally every last one of us uh, are depending on you doing that. And our future depends on it. The beauty of 1775 is that we can teach our standards. Yeah. And so you can teach literature standards and grammar and composition standards um, and use curriculum of your choice, you know, and so that is a good way to, um, as you say, put your toe in the water yeah. and, um, and, you know, give a little swirl, make some good trouble. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, the speed limit says 75, but if you go <laughs> 84, it probably not going to pull you over. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I would go 76 and a half because I'm dangerous. Yeah, well, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much for the work that you do at the Capitol, for your advocacy for, for public ed. You're a, a friend of public ed and and um, we appreciate it very much. Well, I, I, I appreciate you all. Like, I, again, I don't know what, actually, we wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't know how to do anything. If it were for educators, I mean, it, it's just, it is, it just is so much of, of who we are. Um, and again, I, I, I don't know how you do it. Uh, sometimes I don't know why you do it. You just not, the appreciation isn't there. Uh, the compensation isn't there. Um, but you do it anyway. And, and, and that to me is like, you know, it, it's just the most special thing. And welcome to Alicia's morning announcements. Do, 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 do. We say they're morning announcements, but they're really more like afternoon announcements. It's whenevs announcements. It, it's whenevs. Whenevs it, it gets posted. <laughs> but it, these are the announcements. Um, first, I want to say uh, happy Juneteenth tomorrow. Yes. Um, you, If you don't know about Juneteenth, it is when um, the people of Texas were informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the uh, president of the United States that all slaves were free. So uh, after the after the war, then there were were Union soldiers that went to places where um, 
where slaves were still yes. uh, held in bondage. Yes. And um, so General Gordon Granger went to Texas and um, and gave orders and had men go all through Texas, uh, making sure that that the slaves could choose to work on as indentured servants, <laughs> not indentured servants, as yes. workers. Yes. Um, and we all know that mm. that is even still a whitewashed way of yes. looking at things. Right. So, um, but it is celebrated as a second Independence Day mm-hmm. for our country, for mm-hmm. many people, um, which which is a good way to look at it, I think. Yep. Um, other possible anniversaries for these things were September 22nd, which is when Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation mm-hmm. Order in 1862. It took effect on January 1st, 1863. Um, there, I mean, April 3rd, the day Richmond, Virginia fell, is a day that uh, people celebrate, April 16th, the day that slavery was abolished in the nation's capital in 1862. I mean, there are all all kinds of dates throughout history where um, pieces of slavery fell apart. Um, But Juneteenth, a combination of June and 19th, Mm -hmm. uh, put together as Juneteenth is... Um, is the day that was chosen for federal holiday. So, and there's celebrations all over the state. Celebrations all over the state, and you can find more information on okea.org/justice on yep. our on our webpage. Yep. Um, now, we are having a planning party for our ESP leaders. I love planning, and I love parties, and it involves Ted's. So <laughs> oh, and I love Ted's even better. <sighs> So if you are an ESP leader, education support professional, yes, education support professional, um, save the date of July 13th. That's a Tuesday from six to eight in the evening and contact OEA uh, organizing specialist, Brianna Flatley, B Flatley, F-L-A-T-L-E-Y at OKEA.org and let her know that you are interested in coming. Yeah. It, uh, you know. ESPs are a fun group of people. Yes, I was going to say you get to like meet your your peers from all over and um and eat tacos, eat, eat Ted's and so um maybe fajitas, who knows what's going to happen. Why right and plan. Yes, I can I come? I mean, probably. Oh, I'm going to come. You can come, take pictures, interview people, mm, and okay. eat some Ted's. Mm, I'm going to come. And then help them plan. ESPs are so fun. Uh, but it's an important planning planning time. So yes, yes. Um, you'd be able to work with staff through, you know, if you're negotiating, if you uh, yeah. are organizing events for um, for fun or to um, organize actions. Yeah. Uh, this is a good place to get information and get started on that process. Um, also, Engage Oklahoma is coming up next week, yeah. June 21st through 23rd. It is virtual and it is free. Free. And you heard Superintendent Hoffmeister talk about it last week on the on the cast. So sign up on the State Department website or go to engage.ok.gov um, to find out more information. So uh, some super great breakout sessions that you can go to, yeah. I think. Um, the, the State Department does a really good job with the Engage. And last but not least, make sure you register uh, soon for our Summer Leadership Conference, which will be July 15th. So one day, mm-hmm. one shot wonder, <laughs> 9 to 2.30. Mm-hmm. 
OKEA.org slash SLA2021. SLA standing for Summer Leadership Academy. There it is. So OKEA.org SDES. Let me try that again. Oh, my word. OKEA.org slash SLA2021. There it is. That's what it is. All the letters and numbers. Man, there is... uh, I feel like this is the time of year where like the session's over and we're all kind of like taking a breath and it's summer. So school's out and it's like stuff is going to wind back up. You know, we know that stuff's, I mean, we know stuff wound down. I mean, (laughs) like when is that going to happen? Oh, July 4th. (laughs) Things, things, they're going to get weird. Planning is such a critical part of it or being organized, being together, having a focus as a local, like there's just like, you know, that stuff's coming. Yeah. And we're going to get to be together and do things together because we're getting vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. So it's like, you know, things are coming like summer leadership is going to be great. There are a lot of cool different breakouts for whatever your role is in your local. So you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home. Right. You can sit in the pool. Yeah. Have your computer up. Don't do that. That's probably not safe. <laughs> <laughs> don't. This is how people, <laughs> this is a bad idea. You can, I don't even have a pool. Don't take your electronics around water. All right. But don't have it plugged in okay. if you're in the pool. Do you? However <laughs> you want to do it. That's the point. Oh, Lordy. Well, we want to say thank you so much to Ivy Riggs of our Legislative and Political Organizing Center. Thank you also to Representative Monroe Nichols for joining us today. We want to say thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at podcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next next week. Until then, rest up, but keep fighting the good fight for public education.